welcome back to another episode of I'll Show You Mine, a podcast where I, Elise, show my husband James some of my favorite movies, and he shows me some of his favorite video games. This week, I'm showing James Memories of Murder. Ooh. from 2003 uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho and starring Song Kang-ho and Kim Sang-kyung I'm gonna do the best that I can <laughs> with uh, all these Korean names and uh, I've studied some Korean film so I think I have a little bit of practice at it but yeah, yeah this won't be the first Korean movie you've shown me yeah this is director Bong Joon-ho's second feature film. So it's still pretty early mm. in his career. And what, what, what was the first? Uh, the first was this kind of indie movie called Barking Dogs Never Bite about oh. a man who wants to kidnap and kill his neighbor's dog that barks all the time. <laughs> it's kind of like a dark comedy Okay. Um, this movie, though, is based on real events. It's based on the first serial murders in Korea. And it's still unsolved. What? Oh, no. It was from uh, 1986 to 1991, a span of hmm. at least 10 murders. We were born then in that span, weren't we? Yeah, we were. I had no idea this was a thing until I saw this movie. I didn't know that it was a thing that 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 was their first serial killer in the 80s, in like the mid-80s. Yeah, the the first recorded serial killer. Yeah, like the the first thing that was given like police attention. Right. they'll, They'll kind of get into it in the movie, but the first kind of murder case where there was a, uh, mo and the killer had a certain type did things a certain way Mm -hmm. so that whole kind of serial killer thing to it (laughs) something funny is wikipedia says the plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed but that's just how the movie is (laughs) so it's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of interesting stuff going on and all very intense because it's about a series of murders which uh content warning it's also involving rape and murder great so you may be wondering why am i showing this to you (laughs) because i love murders (laughs) well we are watching some murder shows on netflix but that's not why (laughs) The reason why is because when I first saw this, I was amazed at how different it was from any Hollywood film I'd seen. How it was different despite using a lot of the same tools. And we just watched Paris When It Sizzles, which kind of shows all these glorious tropes of the Hollywood film style and... I think this movie is a perfect counterpoint to Mm. that style in that it's aware of those tropes and is clearly 
like playing off of them and using them in some ways, but it's also not telling a story for a Hollywood audience. It's telling a story for a Korean audience. And so it kind of deliberately refuses to just go along with the way tropes are. It kind mm. of does things differently in a really interesting way. So I was struck by that when I first saw it. And I think that you would be interested in that. And I think you also have enjoyed some of the other movies by Bong Joon-ho that I have shown you, like The Host, mm -hmm. which is uh, a great monster movie that manages to be funny and tragic and action-packed all at once yeah I, that, what i remember that, about that movie is the way the, the the selection of genres that it spanned and the way they mix it up differently than western movies do going from it's it's less impressive nowadays because i think i feel like that's kind of bled into our movies where lots of horror movies will be funny and uh, there's just a little bit of everything you know and but back when the host came out I, I was i was struck by that i think that the filmmakers that came out of this generation in south korea in like bong joon ho's class of directors um there is the beginnings of that in a way because uh, Bong Joon-ho specifically was very aware of Hollywood movies and American television. It was something that he was, he loved. He loved to watch TV mm -hmm. because they would air American movies. And so that was like his film language. He learned by watching all these Hollywood classics. So when he went to film school and was making movies that he wanted to make, he was using those same tools, the same style, just like stylistic choices, um, but doing them to tell the stories that he wanted to tell, which were distinctly different from what he was mm -hmm. seeing. So I think the whole idea of genre bending and kind of doing twisty things with uh, the, the production of your movie is becoming more popular and I, I've always been a fan of that kind of thing but I really saw something cool with it with Bong Joon-ho and this movie in particular some of his other movies are um, a little more <laughs> a little more funny a little more uh, I don't want to say meta because I feel like I overuse that <laughs> lately but uh, a little more reflexive and this one I think because it's about real events and mm. because it's his second movie it's a little more serious and it's just a it's just a killer crime drama well and, you know I, I like I like crime dramas uh you know I, I always complain about the length of movies and <laughs> uh having to watch it's always like it's hard to get around to these serious, more serious movies because they're heavier and they're harder to get through mm -hmm. and they kind of weigh on you before you watch them. But they are, they're enjoyable when, when you get, when you finally sit down and 
and watch them. I always, I'm always glad that I did. Um, so everything's not just uh, superhero movies and action movies. <laughs> yes. Sometimes there's dramas. Yeah. Serious. Yeah, uh, I, I should watch them more, but. <laughs> what? Life is so hard. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> You don't always want to plunge into more darkness. Not that. <laughs> well, this is some darkness. We're going to get into some darkness. But I think what's nice about this movie and what's nice about Bong Joon-ho's work in general is that even though it goes to those dark places, it's a beautiful movie. Hmm. And so it's very rich. There's a lot of stuff going on with the narrative. There's a lot of stuff going on with like the cinematography. So it's just it's just great. I like uh, the period set pieces and costumes too. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Korea in the 80s was like. Oh yeah. Seen a lot of Japan in the 80s. It's a little bit rural but, too, uh, so that's that's part of the, uh, the story. Uh-huh, okay. So we'll get into that. But I don't want to keep I don't want to spoil all the whole movie. So <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm I'm nervous. Welcome back. We just saw Memories of Murder, directed by Bong Joon-ho. I'm reeling. (laughs) So uh, what were your first impressions? First impressions, like in the first few seconds of the movie? No, just like, what's your, how'd you like it? I liked it a lot. It was very, very good. Nice. (laughs) So a little bit of plot synopsis. Uh, This is a story that's based on real events, as we discussed. And it's basically this small town uh, rural detectives who discover a couple bodies. And they find out that it's a rape murder and they find two at first and just right off the bat are in way over their heads and haven't seen anything like this really and they're just bringing in a ton of people and trying to see whatever they can do and at every turn they're just kind of making things worse and bungling the investigation and uh, then some young hot detective from Seoul comes and he's been specifically assigned to the case he requested to be assigned to the case because it's this interesting kind of intense serial killing case that he's uh, very interested in logic and patterns and documentation and doing the research and figuring out how to stop crimes before they happen kind of thing Mm -hmm. And uh, our rural detectives are a lot more 
boots on the ground, shaking people up, doing what they got to do to get the job done. And those guys will kind of clash Mm -hmm. as the movie goes on and figuring out how to solve these murders, how to stop this person because he does keep killing people and they do keep messing it up (laughs) and not figuring out how what the pattern is and how he's uh happening to take these women and all these things and ultimately uh they do not solve it they get close they keep bringing in these people who have kind of tangential relationships to the victims and the um the rural detectives park and joe kind of bring uh they just immediately are like okay this is the guy we're gonna we're gonna make him the murderer and it's like we're gonna make him confess bring him down to the interrogation room beat him up a little bit and that'll be it we'll solve it Mm -hmm. and this is all kind of based on detective park having this sense that he can he can look into any perp's eyes and know whether they're innocent or guilty and uh his partner is much more like i can beat it out of anybody if they're if they're a criminal they deserve to get the shit kicked out of them and i'm gonna deliver that literally kicked there's lots of kicking in (laughs) this movie a lot of high kicks (laughs) um and just you know the the process of going through all these terrible murders and it wearing on them the fact that they can't solve it and they can't figure it out and when they do get leads they disappear stuff happens that just kind of uh, it's it's so frustrating Mm. but in the end they have this guy who they feel is the best match they've had from all the the uh suspects that they've had he's the He's the one that kind of fits the profile the best. And that's kind of the breaking point for everybody is they find this guy and they can't really prove it, but they have a feeling. And even our detective from Seoul, who's uh, Inspector Sa, I believe. I'll have to pull up those just to make sure I'm getting all the names right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, who's usually the logical... I believe in all the documents kind of comes around to I have this intuition. I know it's this guy. And the rural detectives see the the point in restraint and in mm-hmm. waiting for the documentation and getting proof and having all these things that they had kind of seen as hindrances previously, but they kind of come to understand each other, but ultimately they aren't successful. Mm. Yeah, all that, and uh, they still never found the guy. And that, when we watched it, I had forgotten that you told me it was unsolved. (laughs) So I kind of expected them to find somebody, Mm -hmm. put somebody away at the end, give us some closure, but it never came. Yeah. And we, we, the very end of the movie is an epilogue where we see Park as an old man with a family. He's married the girl that his girlfriend from the uh, earlier in the film, and uh, they have kids. He's taken a different job, like she had asked him in the movie. He's uh, like, "Can you do anything else?" 
This yeah. detective work is so crazy and he's like a dangerous. Salesman. Yeah, he's like a salesman of juicers or something. Mm-hmm. And he goes back to the scene of the crime. He just happens to be in the area. He's the, it's the very first body that he found in mm-hmm. the gutter. It's like so that it comes full circle. He's revisiting the scene of the crime, and there's a local girl there who tells him that it was most likely the killer who also visited visited the scene of the crime. But she doesn't understand. She just says like, "Huh, that's funny. There was another man who was yeah. here who was looking in there, and when I asked him what he was looking at, he said he was thinking about something he did here a long time ago." Yeah. And, and then Park a- kind of <laughs> goes back into detective mode for a moment. Is like. What did he look like? To, like, tell me, who is this man? And she's just like, he just looked ordinary. I don't know. He's ordinary. just a guy. Just somebody. Just some guy. And it's just, oh, it's just <laughs> gut-wrenching. It's and just chilling. some man. Yeah. So. So, uh, that's one of the points that I kind of wanted to ask you about and bring up is that unresolved ending. And... Personally, I think of it as something that you would never, ever see in a Hollywood movie in the same kind of style. I mean, at least in the way that it's pulled off. And so I kind of want to ask you what elements of the movie you noticed as being a departure from the typical kind of Hollywood movie in the way that uh, the story unfolds or the scenes are shot or anything like that and maybe ways it was similar to. Okay. Well, the most obvious thing off the bat was the juxtaposition of comedy with the dark subject matter of uh, rape, mur- rape slash murders, and even like in the autopsy room in the morgue, there's comedy, and um, Usually in American movies, if something's like about the Zodiac Killer, it's going to be serious all throughout, mm-hmm. very dramatic. And I noticed that the comedy gradually decreased as the film moved on, but mm-hmm. in the first act and most of the second act, it, it's 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 pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and it slowly... Like the third, the third act is very dramatic, and there's not really much comedy much in, in the end of the film. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's pretty uh, farcical at the beginning yeah. because they're really laying it on how incompetent this police force is, and how they're just fucking everything up. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the the very first couple scenes are when they have this body, and uh, the first two bodies that they find, the crime scene's completely corrupted. They, there's, they're just out in the fields the first time there's like kids out there like grabbing the uh, clothes that were like left yeah. over to the side and they're like picking them up and just like throwing them mm-hmm. around and stuff and the police are like hey put those down what are you doing stop it hey get out of here uh-huh. but they're just like oblivious to what's happening and they're just like playing around in the fields mm-hmm. and they're follow you know they followed him out there he was riding out on a car to go investigate the body and they're running after the car going junk car junk <laughs> car like just thinking that they're having a good time and he's trying to keep them away so they don't like see what's happening here, but is also like, I need them away so I can have this scene clear and do my job. And it's just not. There's no cooperation. There's no, uh, no uh, sense of what's going on because 
this kind of crime hasn't happened in this area or like in this country mm-hmm. even in this history and it's not just acted dialogue comedy it's also a lot of physical comedy yeah which <laughs> i did not you you don't expect to see in a crime story yeah the uh the second body that they find right is like kind of in a a rice paddy that's in a ditch like a, there's hills all around it oh, yeah, yeah. and the detectives keep falling down the hill <laughs> and like rolling into the field oh. as they're trying to get down and get closer to see everything and the he's first... just like oh these idiots <laughs> <laughs> falling all over the place yeah it's like you see the first cop like trying to get down the hill slides and it lands on his ass and then a few minutes later another person does the exact same thing in the exact same spot and that got me um a tractor runs over a footprint that they're trying to keep for the forensics team the Mm -hmm. forensics team hasn't gotten there yet and there's all these people around on the crime scene and it's a tractor coming down the road he's like hey hey get out of the way go around and the guy just completely ignores him just like i'm just going my tractor man uh yeah and lots of fighting and kicking and and tussles i got the sense that at least in this time and place in the world that was maybe more acceptable to just hit people out of even just like playfully or or like the 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 chief of the police will kick down his employee down the stairs if he if he messed up um yeah. You just beat people up if they're yes, stupid. They smack people on the back of the head. So, a lot of those, yeah. like, just little shots. Bat, bat. Like, a, just a disciplinary smack. Yeah. <laughs> it's very common. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not entirely unheard of in American films. It made me think of Fargo. That's sort of the same sort of situation. Small town cop in over their heads mm-hmm. with murders and uh it's kind of silly yeah so you know that's a good one that's a good comparison so a little background into why so much of the movie is dedicated to the police incompetence is because of what the socio-political situation was in south korea at the time and it's uh because in this takes place in Uh, 1986 I think is when the first murder is uh, discovered and that's the the real life span was like 1986 to 1991 I believe was how long the murders were going on before like or you know the main case and uh, in the 80s in South Korea there was a like military dictatorship basically and uh, martial law, I should say. And there was a lot of pushback from the public, a lot of demonstrations that were happening. There had been massacres in uh, certain provinces and with students and things like that. It was a really intense time. And this is just like, I think 1987 is when that all, that regime all toppled. So this is like right on the cusp of everything kind of falling apart and a new kind of uh what's it actually called the republic the Mm. the history of korea is broken down into the republics 
and this was the Fifth Republic, and then the current one is what was came after that. So the Sixth Republic, this all broke down in 87, and then modern South Korea is what kind of came out of this. So hmm. there's all of this subtext with the anger at the government and at police and at these authority figures that have brutalized their people and really been uh, the downfall of the country as a whole and have kind of, there's just been there's a complete erosion of trust between the citizens and the ruling the yeah. ruling class and the police so that's all under the surface mm. of this movie and even as somebody who is not Korean and didn't live through that or mm -hmm. really know much about it. Mm -hmm. I got that yeah. from everything that happens in the background of this movie. Uh, the protests and the government drills that happen over the PA system in the mm -hmm. cities and the newspaper clippings that are very anti-establishment. The and the and they're not wrong about that because like you said the the cops not just beat people beat uh suspects up but mm -hmm. they kind of torture them they're torturing they're... them they're fabricating evidence they're like mm -hmm. just breaking rules left and right out of this sense of like we know what justice is and we know what's best and mm -hmm. we're gonna take that out and after it's... they've been after these suspects have been down in the basement for so long they're just just waiting to sign the confession yeah and they know that it's illegal like the chief is not aware of when this is happening in the beginning of the movie as much like he kind of is surprised like oh you're doing this again we're gonna get in trouble like <laughs> the journalists in town they talk about being yeah like, that's the only oh, reason why they're worried about it yeah they hate the journalists because they're the ones who are telling all the people like hey they're torturing people they're <laughs> beating up uh suspects and it's all true. It's not like they're making stories up. They're just reporting on these things that are happening. And the chief is like, you got to you gotta cut that shit out because they will notice. Like, they're, they're sniffing around and they're checking for this kind of stuff. You have a reputation for these mm -hmm. things. So it's that's all interwoven through this story where you are expected to root for the cops because... They're the ones who are working on this case, this heinous crime, and you want them to succeed because you want these terrible things to end and for like these this like small town to be at peace because it's just like you can tell everyone is on edge and everyone has never seen anything like this before and yet you're so frustrated with the police and everything that they do and how they abuse their power and are you know make dumb decisions mm -hmm. based on ego and stuff like that so there's this weird line that the movie makes you walk of like you want to see these people do better and they kind of do get better but it's still not enough yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was a confusing it was like a mixed message up front our protagonist is here trying to torture confessions out of people and the first suspect is a mentally retarded person yeah. 
developmentally disabled. Developmentally disabled. <laughs> the yeah, he's like this young guy. He must be in his like twenties, I think they say he is, but you know, he can't take care of himself. He lives with his family. He's like always asking where his dad is and stuff and he's mm-hmm. so obviously not a murderer, but they've decided like, oh, he heard from his girlfriend, right, at the time, that, like, oh, you know these people that the their son used to follow that girl who got killed around, and they say that he was following her the night that she got murdered, and yeah. that was all he needed, like, it must be him. Yeah. And so he really gets fixated on, like, he knows something, he must have done it, he must have done this, and, like, I'm going to make him confess. And they kind of get a kind of confession out of him, but then later they realize... It's not a confession. It's what he saw. He saw yeah. her get murdered. I noticed he had never said, I did this, or yeah. that. He just said... It's happening. I it's see, happening, yeah. yeah. I see this. or He doesn't say, I see it, but it's like... Yeah, he describes what happened to this girl in detail. Like, he knows how she was strangled and what order of events occurred mm-hmm. and where it happened. And Sa, the soul detective... He, he he assumes that Park went over these details with the suspect and had him say that over on the tape recorder. Yeah, he think he rehearsed it with him because that's not unlike something that they would do. <laughs> so he <laughs> he passes over him, but they 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 didn't realize that he was actually a witness the entire time. Yeah. And he gets hit by a train. Oh my god, that was brutal. That when... was really rough. The whole this whole scene of like them realizing that he's a witness and trying to get to him and this whole it's it's in the third act of the movie when everything's just really going to shit. Yeah. And it's just like their final kind of they lose this guy, they're the other uh loose cannon cop is getting into a huge fight, causes a whole stink, gets a rusty nail in his leg. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's That it's was my favorite all, one of my favorite scenes. It's a mess. Yeah, and uh this guy ends up on the train tracks and Park can't get him to move. He's just kind of in, in a panic and mm-hmm. won't move. He turns at the last second right to right just to face the train as it was we see we he, we get to see everything. We see him get pelted by this train face face on, and then blood splatters on the park just as he's he's just about to save Reaching, him, but he yeah. can't get to him. <sighs> and I, I think that's what kind of <laughs> turned his character in the end. Yeah, Every, they they both have their moments where something happens, a person that they were had eaten they'd built this relationship with they lose them and it's just too much and all of they you know they give up on their their beginning philosophy and go to the other side yeah these two characters they cross paths and kind of end up on the other side of each other yeah like ships in the night (laughs) i love it i love that i love that trope of like two characters on opposite sides who ultimately end up on the other point of view. And yeah. As a result of going through this journey, this horrific journey, 
it's uh it's so it's just a punch in the gut at the end where you see how much they've had to change to get to where they're at at the end of the movie and mm-hmm. oh, man. yeah so good it's so good uh i was gonna say another thing that was different for me uh from american films was just the depth of the scenes in the depth of the scenes in the way that no matter kind of where you looked there was something going on there were the the main story happening in the front or mid camera and then there's always something going on in the background or mm-hmm. foreground uh, stories within stories within stories being told yeah. as far as you can see yeah, I think Bong Joon-ho does that really uh, excellently. It's He really uses the whole frame, really takes mise-en-scene to heart. <laughs> it's just like, I want every every shot to mean something mm-hmm. and to have to be framed in a certain way. I, I made notes of certain scenes that I thought were shot really in a, <clears throat> in a really interesting way and that deliver so much on either telling you something narratively or giving you a certain emotion and uh one of them is like in that rice patty uh scene where they find the second body and it's all going to shit and (laughs) the reporters are all over the place and people are falling all over the place um Mm -hmm. oh no i'm sorry i'm thinking of the later one in the rice patty where they have uh the kid his name's kwang ho who is uh the uh the young guy who they thought did it because he followed the girl around but mm-hmm. it wasn't in there quite oh yeah yeah they've gotten him to this point where oh we're gonna do a reenactment of the murder and get all this stuff and all these reporters are everywhere and his dad shows up and starts yelling like oh my son my son is innocent and it just causes a frenzy and they're trying to get him out of there and so they're dragging him covering him up and dragging him away and it's this slow motion shot a pan across the field as they're all kind of falling over each other and grabbing him and you see the line of reporters in the background Mm. just like freaking out and the dad is kind of following along behind them in the background trying to get to his son and it's just a a complete breakdown of this whole they had planned this like media event oh we're gonna do the reenactment it's gonna be a great photo op and we caught the killer and Mm -hmm. Then his father shows up to say, my son is innocent and just throws the whole thing into disarray. And it's just, you get this great slow motion shot of it all falling apart and everybody falling over themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And you, sometimes you get the reverse angle of from behind the dad's back running along the reporters, seeing this scene in the patty. Yeah. So, so well shot. Another one that, Oh God, still gets me every time. Oh, I was—I I made a note specifically when we saw it of like, oh God, this scene is just chilling. Uh, what they use the whole frame is when we see, we see the scene of one woman getting caught. Yeah. Where she's walking alone to go uh, give an umbrella to somebody who's working at the factory, and she's walking down this dirt road and just kind of like not aware of it being night and her alone in the midst of all these murders. And it's raining. She's just singing and hears something over in the field and is kind of 
looking around, suspicious, and the we get this wide shot, and she's on like the right side of the screen in the road, and off to the left in the patio, you just see a man yeah. rise up, just enough, like just so that you can see his head, and then he goes back down. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't notice at all, and she hears something again and realizes she's in danger and decides to run. And then you get her perspective of the road and you see him jump out from the corner, like the bottom corner. He's like, just like an animal, like Mm -hmm. leaps out at her. And then it's like the scene is over and it's just, Oh God, that like just that shot where you see him just like come up out of the, the reeds and then so, is just like back down again and it's just actual this, predator oh, this like silent little moment where it's just like out of the corner of your eye and then you see him and you know that she doesn't see him and that terror is just like oh no oh no oh no yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so beautifully shot it's and then the sound is in that scene he does this, he does this a few times it's very very quiet and when she bolts to run this very loud note of music comes on and we're into this action music all of a sudden it's run 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 get out of there music yeah. and it's it's it goes it's this abrupt from quiet to loud yeah. and it, it, it scared me and he did it again um oh yes yeah, in the part where the detectives are unknowingly all both investigating the scene of the crime That's at the a- same time it's and, another really dense shot. <laughs> and this this guy comes to the this crime scene at night and starts masturbating with like some like women's lingerie that he like lays out yeah. and he's like wearing like a uh, fancy red underwear and it turns out that it's just this this guy this he likes to get off on yeah, this he's, weird he's shit. like weird this weird dude who he's got a has a sick wife yeah. and kids and he's like i can't masturbate anywhere i just come out here to the woods i'm sorry that's the exact same situation where he realized he's being watched or in danger all of a sudden because the cops are, are there at the crime scene he just knows somebody's watching mm. him he could hear he heard them step on a twig yeah and he goes Ugh. and when he bolts that music comes on really yeah. loud again it's a, it's that shot of him. You see the side of his face, and he has the he's holding a flashlight in his mouth mm-hmm. to like be able to see where he is, and he drops it out of his mouth and runs. <laughs> and the music's just like bam, right? <laughs> and that's a great chase scene at it. <laughs> that that comes after the detectives all run out and realize they're all there at the same time. But they're <laughs> but, just running but after they have, him. But yeah. they have to keep going. They're like, oh, hi, you're here too. That's a right before that scene when you see that all getting set up is another like really wide, dense shot where uh, Park and it, it's funny with uh, Korean names, sometimes there's different spellings of it. So like on IMDb, the character who in like the subtitles of the movie is Joe Younggu is Cho, you know, something. So there's like different versions of it, but uh, Park and Joe are in the foreground behind this like mound hiding to watch this guy. And in like the mid ground is the guy masturbating. And in the background is uh, Detective Sa who's like, behind a tree or something mm-hmm. and you can see them all at a certain point they all kind of like get into their positions 
and it's just the depth of field that you can see in the yeah. in the shot is really great. But uh, going back to the political kind of history, uh, they they get really explicit with it in like the the third act kind of of the movie where they're getting closer and closer. They know that there's a pattern to the killings and that the killer does certain things every time, like requests a certain song to be played on the radio from this request show and uh, murders people on rainy nights. And at first it's like women who are wearing red, but I don't think that continues all that much. It's just kind of like the rainy nights and the song playing. And uh, yeah, there's, the one time where they know that it's going to happen. The song is playing, it starts to rain, and they had uh, kind of had a scent. They were following the guy that they thought it was, but they lost him after a certain point. And they're saying, we need, we need backup. They're calling for more officers. And <laughs> the like head office, I guess, doesn't have anybody any backup to send them because the police are all suppressing a demonstration in a nearby city yeah. so and then someone ends up dead the next day and it's like a, a middle school or like a, a mm-hmm. yeah this, she's this, this just just below kid. high school like she's like 14 or something yeah. and, and we got to know her earlier in the film yeah and so that one really hits you that yeah. it's like they knew they had all the pieces. They could have stopped this one, but the police are off beating mm-hmm. up students or mm-hmm. something in another city. Yeah. And we never know if the the suspect that so was sticking out was the person that got away and did it or not. Yeah. Uh, but it it's, it's a possibility. So I fell asleep in his car and in that time, the guy disappeared and then someone got killed mm-hmm. but we never know and <laughs> i think that's the recurring theme yeah i think the the movie kind of gives you the sense that it's this guy that they they catch in this yeah. you know the later half of the movie he's got the soft hands which is something a survivor was able to tell them mm-hmm. he's he works at the factory near where one of the bodies was um he's he's, like an ex-military guy and he requests the songs he's the guy who requests the song that's a big one yeah (laughs) but then you get to the final confrontation of when sa visits this body and realizes it's this girl that he knew and he believes it's this guy and they're waiting on DNA uh, report from semen that was found at one of the crime scenes and seeing if it matches this guy. Which they had to send to America because they can't do it in Korea. Yeah, they don't have the technology. And he go he like he snaps after he sees this girl and he's like, I have to I'm gonna kill this guy. And he goes and he hunts him down and he's like I don't even care. I know that it was you. I'm going to, no one would care if I killed you. He takes him to this, you know, train tunnel. And Park is the one who's like, wait, wait, the documents have arrived. Come look. And the report is in English. And it says, it doesn't say 
it's not him. It says, you know, there's a couple points. It, it, this can't be conclusively stated that it was this guy. And he's just like shaking, mm-hmm. holding, you know, this, like this is. And he says, this document is a lie and I don't need it. Yeah. Which is the complete reversal from what he was before was that documents never lie. Yeah. I, I get all the, the clues from these documents. And now this one, he doesn't trust it. And he tries to kill the guy, but he gets away and we get this lingering shot of him running into the tunnel and it really the camera just stays on him until he disappears into the dark and you never really know if it was him or not because he has he fits the profile in all these ways but park tries to give him the the treatment of look into my eyes and he grabs him by the face and there's this you know long shot of just him us us looking into his face and it changes. It's such a great little performance there. This moment where the actor is looking, he looks, you know, dead eyed and is just staring back at him. But then it's raining and he looks scared and sad and kind of he's bleeding because they've been beating him up. He's got blood coming out of his mouth. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Park goes, fuck. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. Which is a reversal of his character. He's he was bragging the entire movie that he can, all he needs to do is look into somebody's eyes, and he knows if they're a criminal or not. And now he finally accepts that. He doubts. He doesn't know. He just doesn't know. <laughs> he, this case was the one that did it and made him doubt. So can we talk about the karaoke bar scene? <laughs> Which I think is my favorite scene in the entire movie. A little bit of uh, levity in the middle of all of this. Yeah. I think it might have been after the whole Quang Ho incident and where his father saves him. Yeah, because they were supposed to, uh, it was supposed to be a celebration. Yeah. The, the boss, as they're going to set this up, tells one of the officers, I think she's, I don't remember if it's the officer who's the woman who gets treated like a secretary in the the <laughs> their like whole group mm-hmm. but he's like reserve a room we're partying tonight and so they're expecting to have this big celebration but it all turned to shit so they're just like well we're still gonna use this karaoke room yeah. <laughs> this like private thing that we got set up and it's just like tense everybody's kind of like just fuck it it's man. just this one shot one point perspective shot of the, them at this hunkered around this table then none of them are talking with any with each other the park and park is on the right so is on the left the chief is at the end of the table in the middle and then joe's in the background joe's like, in the background banging some girl or yeah. something <laughs> no one of this is that depth of the scene again there's a story happening a, a parallel story happening in the background mm-hmm. and park and saw get into some discussion they're just arguing arguing like they usually do about oh you know says going you really fucked that up like you <laughs> Mark's going what do you know you know you're some hot shot from seoul you don't really know what it's like out here and the chief was like passed out on the table wakes up to vomit <laughs> and just like is like give me the bucket and just <laughs> His vomit is so <laughs> aggressive. He's just like, <gasps> he's just like yelling it out. And at first, you think that he's gonna do the thing that they do in like 
American movies sometimes where he's going to throw up and he like leans over the bucket so you don't see it. But he literally just like pulls the bucket and then just like it like falls out of his mouth and you see it all. It's just like just yells this vomit out. (laughs) And then after he yells again, he's just like, ah, ah, like, (laughs) God, I got to I had to get that out. He's just like, okay, that's better. And then he smacks him. And yeah. he's like, don't ever fight in front of me again. I'll kill you. He just feels better immediately and goes straight into disciplining these two officers for fighting. Yeah. <laughs> All the while, this man and woman are struggling in the background. <laughs> and the, the like hostesses there next to him are like kind of looking behind the yeah. couch, checking out what's going on and like giggling to themselves. Yeah. Like, <laughs> There's bottles and used dishes all over the table yeah. telling their own story. It's great. Uh, yeah. Um, that was my favorite scene, and a close second was uh, Yonggu in the in the restaurant after having spent the entire movie being he's 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 Park's partner, and he spends the entire movie being being the guy who beats the criminals or the suspects, I should say. Uh, he has a special little little booty little booty for thing his uh army boot that he yeah. puts on it so he won't leave scratches on him but he really kicks the shit out of people yeah. so it's like it's not like he's mm. stopping leaving yeah. any marks or cuts or anything but it's kind of just like this extra little fuck you like <laughs> yeah i'm going to make sure i don't get your yeah. blood on my boots and it becomes a symbol whenever you see him putting it on that somebody's about to get kicked yeah and like he's he 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 plays the bad cop, Park plays the good cop. Like Park will be the friend, and then <laughs> Younggu will come in and With just a high be, kick, high kick, <laughs> often from off frame. Yeah, just like from one word of Park, and he comes flying in from yeah. off frame, and just <laughs> we see him and the suspect go down out of the other side of the frame. Yeah, <gasps> like the the sounds of collision yeah. and moaning from the people yeah. getting beat up. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And but eventually he like he he pushes it too far too many times and he gets disciplined by the chief and he's getting drunk at uh, this restaurant who's owned a restaurant op- owned and operated by the father of Quang Ho. Yeah, there. Uh, the The final straw was that he kicked the guy who they uh, it's Huang Gu I think, who's the. Uh, the main suspect that they have who fits the profile the yeah, most and they're the all end. convinced and it's like it's kind of implied that like because he fucked up and kicked the guy they lost a lot of leverage and they're not gonna like they were close and yeah. now now it's fucked and they're not gonna get it and he's gonna walk and he's like don't ever come in the interrogation room again like yeah you know not to do this and you're such an idiot and he's basically out of commission and mm-hmm. so he's out drowning his sorrows at the sake bar and the, or this restaurant that the family owns and sees the i mean park is telling him what's going on why are you drinking so much and he's just like crushed yeah, ignoring him and uh then on the tv there's the latest news about demonstration or something the police are beating people up and the people in the restaurant are making comments about oh fuck the police and Mm -hmm. they should cut all detectives dicks off (laughs) and all this stuff and he's just like 
had enough. Yeah, he snaps. Throws a bottle through the TV and just starts a fight with the whole restaurant. Yeah. And just really starts just attacking everybody. Anybody's coming at him and he's just like going kicking, punching, like it's this whole thing. And then Quang Ho shows up and hits him in the leg because he's attacking somebody in the restaurant with a little like two by four that happens to have a nail sticking out of it gets him right in the yeah, chin because they, uh, they had smashed furniture in the fight like the whole restaurant gets destroyed in this fight yeah. and quang ho comes back finds his home in disarray starts to panic picks up a table leg that has a nail happens to have a nail in it and swings it down on young goo's calf from behind doesn't see it coming just and it's the nail goes right into his into his calf and he yelps and it's like this new even though everybody was fighting it's this new scream that is like oh serious pain <laughs> and the whole atmosphere changes <laughs> everything stops and he we see him we watch him pull this thing out of his leg and he's trembling in pain and then it ends up getting infected or it had the nail was rusty so he gets tetanus he has to have his leg amputated from the yeah, knee down because he's too proud to go to the doctor fast yeah he doesn't get it he taken leaves. care of he thinks it's not a big deal it's just yeah you know you get in fights you get scrapes and then loses the leg that he used to beat up suspects mm-hmm. it's symbolic at least it's the true justice yeah Uh, and there was a story throughout the film about I think I noticed about uh, men and women and the way they the way they contribute to this whole situation I mean, the whole dichotomy of women being the victims of this killer and the killer most likely being male. (laughs) Um, But then we see all the, like, all the men in the movie are always talking about women and just in terms of sex and what they look like and what, you know, it makes you think, how are they much better than this, 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 this killer? Like, (laughs) it's, yeah, they're, the way that, I don't know. It's a whole... That's a mess. I mean, all of that stuff, and then the way that they treat their uh, fellow officer, who's a woman, and she's kind of, like, takes on, like I said, the secretary kind of role, where she's, like, getting them all coffee or whatever and running errands, and she has these important good ideas about the case, but then she just kind of Mm -hmm. gets shrugged off by the guys a lot his park especially is just like oh yeah that's funny good job whatever <laughs> but it's like they need to listen yeah. <laughs> they need she, to listen to people she barely even gets a proper introduction we the first time they interact with her she, she's always like at a desk or something already doing something and then the main characters walk by and give an order and keep walking yeah they like and, interrupt her doing something else and say we need you to go do this thing yeah Stop whatever you're doing and do this thing for us. And then she just recedes. And we see her reaction as in the background mm-hmm. as the scene progresses past her. <laughs> and she's we like, see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jeez. 
but in the middle of the movie she helps she kind of she plays the bait for the killer at a one point operation yeah and she comes she she's the one who notices the the radio broadcast correlation so yeah super disrespectful there and uh just there was we, at one there was one scene where they find a woman who was actually a survivor of the killer because apparently she didn't look at him mm-hmm. kept her eyes closed and that was enough to keep her alive mm-hmm. she as she's retelling the story she kind of says it like i tried purposely not to look at him if i had looked at him he would have killed me like she she says it like she knows mm-hmm. that this is the only reason that i'm alive is that i didn't look at him but she tells that story to the female detective and the female detective has this uh her name's Guiok, I think. Mm. Detective Guan, I think. And she kind of puts the recorder out but tells her, you know, I'm just another woman, just talk to me like, you know, like we're friends. You can tell me, it's okay. And obviously she they had to bring her in because she wouldn't have talked to Inspector Su, who was the one who yeah. discovered the whole thing. And so it's like the particularly this being like women being the victims of these crimes and uh, the them being rape murder cases that it's the fact that they don't think to ask women or like get that input mm-hmm. to to bring in all these men and ask them do you think this victim is sexy like would you <laughs> would you have done this to her kind of like that's their their method instead of asking women like have you noticed guys following you you know like you were you friends they don't go to the victim and like the people that are close to her they just immediately are rounding up perps Mm -hmm. and just this divide between the experiences that they're having is really stark exactly exactly and the there's during that sting operation part, um, they're all huddled up inside this guard room, and there are two. The two schoolgirls are walking back home or something, and the men were happy to just let them keep walking through this dangerous yeah territory, like in but, the middle of a sting thing. And she, they came in, and there's these two schoolgirls walking in this rainy path alone, and she's like, "Hey, hey, come in here, get yeah, out, officer, get out of the officer, rain." Yeah. She, she, it, it took the woman to be like, hey, kids, get in here. <laughs> hey, kids, come out of the rain. Well, there's a murderer on the loose. Yeah. And then they're the ones who give the, the clue that leads them to that survivor. And also one of them is the victim. Mm. Ugh. 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 That's so sad. Yeah. Hmm. The men, the, the one point there's a, the men are fighting again and it's, it's her, the female inspector who has to like yell yeah, <laughs> and it's her, it's her scream that turns the scene around. Yeah. Because the song is playing yeah. as they're all fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's playing. It's a rainy day. And they're about to miss it again because yeah. they're there. <laughs> they're arguing about who's smarter, yeah. who's got the better idea. Okay. Well. I think we've gotten through yeah. all the stuff, all the things, all the important moments. So, what is your rating? 
Uh, I think I'm hype. <laughs> Even though it's it's hard to recommend to somebody because it's in Korean and a lot of people don't like subtitles and would just brush it off, I would still recommend seeking out this movie and other works by uh, Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, I don't don't let the 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 language barrier scare you off. Oh God, please don't. Please go watch all of Bong Joon-ho's movies. <laughs> I I wish that I could understand Korean because it was difficult to take in the the depth of these scenes while I had to read the subtitles. I wish I could just watch the 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 movie yeah i think unfortunately this episode i'm not gonna have as many clips (laughs) because oh sure (laughs) wouldn't be uh very useful to anybody who doesn't speak korean right but i'll do what i can do (laughs) maybe there's a dub (laughs) (laughs) i i'm sure there is i usually tend to go for uh the subtitles just because i like to see the original performance and uh yeah uh kang sung ho who plays detective park is a a regular collaborator with Bong Joon-ho is one of you know Korea's greatest actors and he's fantastic in this and he's great in all these mm-hmm. other movies he's done with Bong Joon-ho <laughs> he's he, pretty much in every movie you've shown uh, you you've shown me yeah <laughs> he's he's very prolific and you know everybody's great in this but that's you know he is one of the stars that Bong Joon-ho likes to work with so you yeah. gotta, you gotta see his original stuff. <laughs> well, great! I'm so glad. I'm glad that it was a good experience, even though it's it's really sad and a fucked up movie. But yeah, but it it was also fucking hilarious, which is crazy. <laughs> I don't think it's like I don't think there's as many funny moments as some of his other movies because it is such a dark subject matter. But it's there definitely is those very silly moments very farcical moments that are kind of unexpected and really kind of i don't know make the make the horrific moments all the more uh intense because you're going Mm. back between these extremes and it makes it more real because life isn't one genre or the other it's very complicated (laughs) and there's everything all at once all the time so i think yeah i think it lends to the fidelity of it all nice well thank you yeah glad that thank you, you uh glad you liked it i showed you mine <laughs> are you gonna show me yours <laughs> no i don't think so <laughs> i think this will be our last episode <laughs> i've showed you everything that there is no of course i'll show you mine mm-hmm. i'm gonna show you the NES game that I used to play all the time, Paperboy. Mm-hmm. A very, <laughs> it's a very, it's a huge change in scope from Halo. Very small game, so we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about mechanics and maybe the 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 culture around this game what there is of it <laughs> more than the game itself but, <laughs> but right. uh yeah it, it'll be our first nes game oh wow right yeah exciting so look forward to that well listeners 
that's our show. I have been Elise. Thank you for joining us on this episode of I'll Show You Mine. You can find me on Twitter at Impotent Yelling. And you can find me on the website sparkmandesigns.com. We'll see you next time. We love you. We love you.